This is Drew Roy, also known as Hal Mason on Falling Skies. You're listening to the Berserker cast on Golden Spiral Media. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, BerserkerCast. Welcome back! Welcome back, Welcome. space alien overlord haters. <laughs> it is Berserker Cast, and I am Daryl, and I am Emily. And if you are a fishhead, you can get out of here. <laughs> we don't allow no fishheads in here. This is a this is a fishhead free zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got a big bubble that says "No fishheads allowed." Yeah, right so. Emily, can you believe that we are here talking about the what will be the final season of Falling Skies? I cannot believe the final season is here. It's, I mean, I can't even believe the season is here. It feels like it's been forever. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, because these seasons are so far apart, partially because of the short episode count and partially because of them being such a big break between the seasons. Right. It does seem like forever. Yeah. Yes. But we are here, and we are excited to be here, and there is not a whole lot to discuss before we get going next week with the uh, premiere of Season 5, but I thought it'd be fun to just look back at what last season had for us, and maybe a couple things looking forward to the next season. And Yeah, because as you just out. said, the seasons are so far apart, it is so easy to forget what happened. Mm. I mean, I, I do. I had to go back mm-hmm. and rewatch and look over recaps and kind of step through every episode again and remember how we got to the ending. And yeah, it's easy to forget what happened. Right. Well, and it's also easy to forget your perception of what happened because there are certain things that I was like, I, I did kind of a, I wrote down some of the things that I remembered from the season before I started my rewatch. Yeah. And I'm thinking, all right, so how is my perception going to change as I rewatch the season? Because I don't know about you, but I tend to like things a lot more the second time I watch them. That's interesting. Especially this show. Yeah. And so like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust my perception as I'm rewatching because I remember disliking a lot of things about mm-hmm. the season. And I did not dislike as many things as I remember disliking. That's so funny you say that because I had the opposite reaction. Really? Oh, that's yes. so funny. <laughs> I was as I was rewatching it, I didn't and I did not rewatch every episode. And okay. but there were some things go I, as I watched them, I thought, you know, I liked that the first time and I'm not sure why. <laughs> and it, sometimes it was the sometimes it was the acting, sometimes it was the the writing sometimes it was the the storylines uh there was just and it wasn't mm-hmm. bad it was not like i suddenly st- stopped liking falling skies it was just what i felt was in the moment when we're all just kind of in there and just really trying to figure out what in the world's going on 
mm-hmm. I had a different perspective and a, and therefore a, a different opinion of it. Now knowing what happens and kind of seeing it more of an outsider type of you know b- bigger picture type of thing. But yeah, I kind of had the opposite yeah. reaction. Well, you know, it's it's funny because you know, look uh, as I was crawling through it, there were a ton of storylines that I was like. All right, this did not happen the way it should have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they they strayed a lot from its Amer- American Revolution roots, and was you know the biggest disappointment of that season. But at the same time, the pace felt a little bit faster than I remember it being because you know how every season really starts out pretty slow mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to build up. You know, usually all the characters are spread out and they have to find their way back to each other. So I, I would agree with you that there are, there were a lot of things going back through it that I was like, wow, that didn't happen very awesomely. But <laughs> at the same time, there were, there were a lot of things looking back that I was able to draw inference to and was like, Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and I had those moments too, for sure. And I, I think you we rewatched the whole season. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you'll definitely have more insights on the larger picture of things, how they tied in or didn't tie in, I think, than I will. For the most part, well, really, I only watched the two-part season finale, and then I read over notes and some recaps of the other episodes because I could do that more quickly. And and as Mm -hmm. I was telling you before we hit the record button, time has really been hard to find. Extra time has been hard to find with with my business uh, taking off the way it has. So... We're go- what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to kind of look at some of the high points of season four and some of the low points of season four. Of course, in both of those cases, those are based on our opinions of what the high and low points are. And then we're just kind of going to give some general overviews and statements of what we thought of season four. And in all of that process, the, the intention is... or not only are we going to talk about the highs and the lows and all that stuff, but part of the intention is to refresh and remind all of you to what happened and kind of get us all ready for this fifth season. Emily and I have not spoken about falling skies recently at all. So as you, as you've already probably picked up on, we don't know what each other are really going to say, even though we're sharing a document, I haven't looked through all of your notes. I really don't. And I, even then I can read something, but I don't really know what direction you're going to take. So this will be very much just an open dialogue about what happened just to kind of get us all primed and ready to go for this fifth and final season. This is the final season of falling skies. We are also going to make some, predictions or kind of remind uh, each other and, and you of where the season left off the, the cliffhangers and the elements that were kind of left suspended out there. And <laughs> we're also going to re- remind all of you of a couple of, or at least one uh, prediction that was thrown out there at the end of last season that ties into this season, just so we can remember to keep our eye on whether or not that is going to happen. And then we have some listener feedback. We asked for some some listener feedback, and we got a couple of those in. So hey. we have a lot to uh, to talk about here in this episode, Emily. And uh, so let's get it going. Let's get cracking. Yeah. All right. You want to go first or should I? Uh, I give the floor to the lady. Yes. I love being a woman. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say just kidding, but I'm not just kidding. <laughs> okay. High points of season four. Well, I, I I decided to just choose a couple because there were a couple really good ones that I was sorting through. But the one that that I was reminded of 
that I really had forgotten was just the whole fact that the Ashveni were skitterizing humans and turning everyone into hybrids. And so the continued downsizing of the human population, I think, is one of the aspects of the show that still makes the threat very real. Because, you know, sometimes it seems like the second mass gets so caught up in their own drama that they're the only ones being affected. Mm -hmm. But we got we got a couple instances, you know, especially from Dingan, uh, who joined the second mass in season four. Uh from South America. I can't remember where he was from now. Um, South and then, and then, okay. South Africa. And, uh, and then also there was like a transmission toward the end of the season where they, uh, where they had to translate it and understand that uh, the skitterizing is happening all over the world and people are dying off left and right. So I feel like the reminder of that in that, se- in the, in that season particularly was a good regrounding of how important that final mission was. Mm-hmm. And then also just like the whole watching Colonel Weaver go through, uh, understanding that his daughter actually had been skitterized too. That was so emotional. <laughs> yeah. that I was reminded oh. of that too. When again, I only watched the two part finale, but it was that, that was, it was a great thing they did in that, in that episode, those two episodes, it was a, two part aired on one night. So I I may say that episode, but I think you know what I mean. And because after he had gone through that with Jeannie and he, he never gave up on her, her humanity was there until the very, very end when she finally died. Uh, was that we, we got to see a different side of that in the finale with what, uh, Tom and Ann did with Lexi. And, and are they going to trust her? Does she have any humanity and that sort of thing? And that, that was well earned that 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 dialogue that other side of the coin that that inner turmoil was earned in in the storyline because of what weaver had already gone through and it was weaver that was able to to help them see a different perspective and help put trust where they did not think trust was deserved and i too loved that i loved the way that they explored humanity uh, throughout the entire season. And even uh, as they, there was a moment in the finale where they were all sitting around a table eating. And I think it was during that, that f- fake flashback thing that Lexi was doing in the cocoon. Yeah. And they were talking about how each person has their faults and each person has something that they are ashamed of. And each person has some time where they've had to either ask or give forgiveness. And again, that is humanity. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that was a very strong point that they brought home in the in this in the show last season yeah yeah that's a really good point that you bring up even about lexi being a hybrid (laughs) and that whereas the rest of humanity was uh hybrid hybrid hybridized that was not hybridized a word hybrid hybridization (laughs) oh wow okay so skitterize let's just go with that i don't know While the rest of humanity was forcibly skitterized, well, I guess Lexi kind of was too, but she embraced it in a way. Well, I mean, first of all, she wasn't ugly, so that helps. (laughs) (laughs) But it transformed her in such a way that she could understand it and internalize it, and it just worked for her. But even for her to come in to learning about, you know, like I think we were saying at the end of season four how her humanity ultimately reigned supreme over her Ashveni-ness. 
Schwinny. Schwinny is doing well with words today. You're really struggling for someone who's I, really good at at wordy <laughs> at words <things. laughs> at wording <laughs> at wording. Well, I'm like it's it's hard to it's hard to turn alien verbiage into colloquialisms. But anyway, you guys kind of know what I'm talking about. I hope. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so. Just seeing, just seeing her journey into embracing her humanity instead of rejecting it, kind of goes along with that as a parallel. You know, uh-huh. the, while humanity is being skitterized, she's actually being humanized. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, good, good family stuff. In yeah, this that's a good parallel. Show. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, you have something in here about Pope. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on how or why <sighs> you think that Pope was one of the highlights of last season. Pope has always been such a take it or leave it sort of character. Yeah. You, you kind of have to have him or his type of character in a show yes. in order to balance things out. So we, yes. we admit that. Yes. There are times when you want to just punch him in the gonads, but I will say <laughs> that watching his attitude change as Sarah came into the mix uh-huh. and I'm not including Sarah <laughs> in this high point. <laughs> okay. Okay. Watching, watching how he changes and actually like as he as he struggles to get her on board with the second mass he's like having to convince himself and as a result really starts to embrace the family component to the second mass and you know eventually wants to be the hero and so being able to see that in him and see him actually stay knowing that his chances of survival are better when he's with the second mass was really cool, especially in contrast to the early seasons, like season one, when we first met him and everything. So yeah, that is what I'm talking about. And I, and I agree. I was kind of just uh, goading you just a little bit there. (laughs) And I don't know that I, I know, right. I don't know that I feel if I would have listed it as one of my high points for the season, but I do like the, the character arc that we've had with, with Pope, if we do think back to that first time that we saw him where he was basically had Maggie as his sex slave or, or something close or similar to that, to where he is now, where he broke down and was fighting back tears as he was thinking that Tom was going to kick him out of the second mass because he took a shot at Lexi. And he, Pope, was using words like our people and and my people Mm -hmm. very possessive pronouns there uh when when talking about the second mass they are my family he has come full circle and he is one of them and yes you do still want to punch him in the throat from time to time but yeah he's had a great character arc for sure but what family member don't you want to punch in the throat from time to time that's right right. you punch him in the throat and then you go have a meal together that's what family does yeah yes exactly Yeah. yeah So Pope is up there and and it is and it's ironic because like you said it probably wouldn't be a high point except for the fact that there were so many terrible storylines mm-hmm. that it was actually one of the good things that came out of it you know like Sarah is one of my low points <laughs> Yeah I'm with you on that So <laughs> Anyway we'll get to that though let's we'll let's get, not get ahead of ourselves <laughs> one thing at a time <laughs> she'll get her due time <laughs> Oh, dear me. (laughs) Now, we've talked about Lexi a little bit already, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about her because she was the focal point of last season. When we 
when we first remember when the season started last season, they were in that field. It was all happy. It was bright. It was green. They looked down. I think they saw Charleston in the, in the, down the valley and it was looking like happy times. And then boom, out of nowhere, there's an air raid. Those pylons get uh, pushed down. Little girl Lexi is separated from Anne. She's, I think Ben has her and, um, it's just crazy. And then zip, zip along just a couple of months. And now Lexi's a full grown woman. She was very right. much the center piece of last season. Uh, as we talked about already, her alien and human, she's being, she's in the middle of this tug of war battle. So mm-hmm. break this down. I know you love this story. Uh, part of the story. Uh, tell us why. Well, I think I got into a little bit earlier, but um, her evolution throughout season four was so interesting. And I can't remember, I, I didn't actually go back and read our notes. I wanted kind of a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I I can't really remember my initial reaction to it. But on the rewatch, I was, I was once again reminded of how, you know, like child prodigies are so unique in the sense that they do one thing really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's surprising when you find immaturity in them in other ways. It's like, wait, you're really good at playing the violin. Shouldn't you be good at everything? You know, it's kind of that sort of thing. Yeah. And so like she she absorbed information so quickly, you know, and I'm thinking particularly of that one scene with Ben in her room when she's throwing books at him and th- and saying things like, you think you're a better teacher than uh, Shakespeare or, or even your own God. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it was so shocking to me at that point, just to say you're okay. You might look like you're 21 years old, but you're a year old. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't have experience. You don't have any application of your knowledge. All you have done is read books. And she, she seems to think that she's this, the harbinger of peace, you know, to all of these people. And, which is, it, it was a great spot to put her in because you really get to see that contrast between who she is as an Ashveni and who she is as a human. So right there at the beginning, we're, we're just thrust immediately into this dichotomy of, you know, which, which uh, side of her is going to actually reign supreme. And we know that she's being lied to. And most of the, of her friends and family know she's being lied to with the exception of Lourdes, of course, (laughs) which we will get into later. (laughs) But, yeah. you know, so like at first she's believing the lies from the Ashveni because she wants to believe it and she has no reason not to believe it. Just like any child would. I mean, your your parent tells you that something is true and you're going to believe it until you have something valid to, you know, uh, put up against it or until you have life experience. And and when her family comes back into the mix and when she kills Lourdes and then she goes off on her own and Ben confronts her and tells her to come back. You know, all of those experiences are things that she had to experience in order for her to finally understand what it means to be human and that the Ashveni were lying to her. And I don't know if it could have happened any other way. And, you know, so all at once you get this deep emotional drama of one person trying to find their place in the world. And at the same time, you're still getting that parallel of, uh, you know, family fighting for family and um one person fighting for their own identity. So a lot of stuff going on in there. A lot of really 
really interesting introspective drama mm-hmm. in that in that regard. Yeah, you know, there were some there were some times where it was it was tough. I mean, the Lordis um, storyline is, is especially how it intertwined with Lexi is is a part of that. Uh, there were times when we're we're kind of going, "Come on, how are you falling for the Ishvani's lies?" But hey, you know what? It was still believable that that she yeah would be manipulated and deceived the way that um she was it paid off so well again as we we look at the exploration of humanity and family within this show the, the very much the two of the pillars of this show and her character arc last season um we wouldn't have been able to explore those as deeply and as richly if it had not been for her her story arc and uh so yeah i i liked it from that point when she turned out to be the reason, the cause of the biggest massacre in the history of the show, that was tough to watch. That was really hard. That was a, uh, uh, what was it, Saturday Night Massacre or something was the name mm-hmm. of that episode. And how that came back again toward the end of the season or at, during the two-part finale where all the people, Pope, Weaver, uh, Tom and, and and even, you know, as she's getting onto that spaceship to take off onto that mission with Tom and even her brothers, you know, her family were the, was the ones that said the harshest things to her. Oh, I know. And that and, gauntlet that she has to yeah, listen to as she gets on that ship. Exactly. Yeah. It was exactly what it was. And again, allowed us to have conversations about forgiveness about mm-hmm. humanity, about perspective, both of the perspective that she had when she made the decision to kill Lexi and caused the death of most of the second mass to the perspective that she had on that day. And mm-hmm. it it was really powerful. And it was tough mm-hmm. to watch along the way. But, you know, when we think about watching Dr. Kadar die and, and all these other, other folks that had to die along the way, but her storyline was really, really added a lot of value, a lot of richness to the season, you know, and it looks like she's dead, right? I mean, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, or we can go ahead and talk about it now since we're talking about her, but it seems to me that I think we've probably seen the end of her. Yeah, it's, uh, last we saw of her, she was driving her ship into the Ishveni power core on the moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it does seem like she is dead. And I think at this point, having only the information we have from se- the season four finale, mm-hmm. we would be right to assume that she's dead. Yeah. Now, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing her back if they made it or if they brought it about in such a way that kind of fell into line with her alien dna you know like she was able to survive on the moon or or she was able to teleport herself off or something you know yeah. ridiculous or or maybe or maybe um the volm ship intercepted her ship right before it crashed and they were able to get her off or something there are, yeah I, I, I think there are conceivable ways that would still be believable enough for us to not go okay whatever you know, I think there right. are some things that, like maybe she cocooned herself and that was enough yeah. somehow, or maybe yeah, she was able to, because she has the ability to channel energy. Maybe she was able to create a force field around herself, mm. or I don't know. Mm. Like I, said, I think How there I want are, her to come back. <laughs> I think there are some legit ways that they could bring her back, and I would be okay with. But mm-hmm. for now, I think we have to assume that she yeah. went down with the ship. I, that's my gut feeling is that. 
if they bring her back, it's not going to be anything real. Like it'll be a dream sequence or, Mm -hmm. you know, like it'll be Anne or Tom dreaming about her or, or having a vision of something she would say, you know, just, (laughs) but I, I don't know. I, it seems like it was a really, the, the conclusion to her story, I feel was very satisfying. It wasn't the ideal outcome. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, if if you look at even the life she led for a year, going from infancy to mm-hmm. a twenty one year old in a year, how much time do you think she really had left? I mean, if her cells were aging so rapidly, well, I don't know. We don't know if if her cells had a rapid growth and then leveled off. But you right. know, I have I have two points of view on this. If okay. with her character, as as I said, I loved what they did with her character and the dialogue, the conversations that we got to have about. Humanity and all that stuff. I won't rehash that. Okay. But if we don't see her again, it almost feels like a deus ex machina where they brought her in for a season to have this miraculous way to, you know, really not defeat the Ashvini, but holy cow, really close, right? They are, the Ashvini are on their heels, like would not have been possible without her. So, you know, so we, we didn't have her, didn't have her, didn't have her. Now we do have her for one season and now she's gone. So it almost like I said, it seems like a deus ex machina type of thing. And I don't know if I'm a big fan of that. But the other part of that is if they do bring her back just so that we can have some sort of satisfying ending with the Mason family, as you said, you know, it would be, it seems a little dissatisfying because there's not that happy resolve. Well, look, this show is not a show that, deserves a happy resolve. It it seems more appropriate for there not to be a happy resolve with every character in every situation. Yes, it does need to have some sort of happy resolve when we get to the end of season five here, but not every storyline needs to have a happy resolve. Otherwise that just seems contrived, right? So I can go both ways on this. And, and uh, so Barbara's going to finally be right. Uh, Ben's going to die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of me says, Hey, let's bring Lexi back. Let's let Tom and Anne actually share some, some nice family time with their daughter. Cause they never got that. The closest they got to that was that shared dream state that she and Tom got in that cocoon. Um, And maybe that's enough. I loved that scene, by the way. Yeah. Going back through that one, yeah, and and like just the father daughter bonding time mm-hmm. on board the Ashveni Beamer, I just there were so many things about that whole scene that inca- that fully encapsulated the Tom that I love, mm-hmm. the Tom from season one, and and I just want that back so badly, and they they did that scene really well, mm-hmm. especially with her with him like commenting, oh your mother does that with her hair too, you know, just <laughs> it was a cute yep. <laughs> uh, you might be a daddy's girl <sighs> maybe a little bit <sighs> alright anything else you want to add there on Lexi or are you ready for the love triangle I think uh, I think we've covered her because I think we're going to disagree here on the love triangle so okay. uh, do you want to go first then well I, I'll just say this we're talking about the love triangle between Hal and Maggie and Ben and uh, Ben was out of line Maggie is Hal's girl. I know Hal wasn't around, but it wasn't their fault, Daryl. It was the spikes. And I know she was walking around half naked in front of him, and and 
she's an attractive girl and that's going to be hard for any man to resist. But, you know, that's all I have to say. It was, I, yeah, the spikes. The heart wants role, what but, it wants. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I, it, it, because, look, because we had had a couple of seasons now uh, with, with Hal and Maggie in their relationship, highs and lows and that sort of thing. I, it just felt, I don't know, didn't like it. Not that I hated it. It just didn't, wasn't, I wasn't rooting for Hal or, excuse me, uh, Ben and Maggie. <laughs> ben. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. No, I, I mean, I totally agree with you about Ben being out of line. And I think that's really what made me enjoy this because mm-hmm. I mean, there, there have not been, I mean, aside from like Tom and Anne there it's, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a drama in that sort of way. It's not a love drama. We're right. not, we're not watching it for the relationships and, and even here I'm not watching it for the relationships, but what I really liked seeing was Hal's evolution in all of this and, and really learning how to deal with things as, as a man, you know, he, I have this strong feeling that he is going to be taking over for Tom until Tom returns from wherever he is in space, you know? And so there were a lot of lessons that he had to learn in this previous season in order to actually become the person who can take over the second mass and mm-hmm. partner with Colonel Weaver. And, and the lessons that he learns, especially about forgiveness and, and even by the end of the finale, joking about Ben and Maggie working so well together. I mean, there's just like this huge arc that he goes through in a very short amount of time in order for him to have a full heart change and be able to accept things as a person and not just, you know, deal with them with fists. But I don't know. I, they, they did a really good job of changing the family dynamic and uh, exposing a lot about what it actually means to be family and um, just how you deal with family versus how you deal with aliens. Uh, But, you know, I I just found it really interesting and and it added uh, another dimension to the show that was lacking but you didn't really know it was lacking until they gave you a piece of it i guess mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. okay it was it was okay. the kind of drama that i can accept and not the kind of drama that i just like roll my eyes at because i one of the things that i wrote down before beginning my rewatch was the hal maggie ben love triangle was awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> and and on the rewatch i didn't find that at all I, okay I, it was i mean it was still really weird watching like Maggie and Ben make out because it's like okay is there like a 15 year age difference here but <laughs> but it, it, it he just looked like a little boy when he was kissing her so it was well, super funny but on a similar thread to that I when I was watching it last night when it, yeah I guess it was last night that I watched so Maxim Knight you know we've seen such a big change in him over mm. from each season because He's the youngest. He's going to have the most change, and he he changed a lot between seasons three and yes. seasons four. So I can't wait to see what he looks like here in season five. Oh man, he's going to be a little man child. Yeah, he, he really is. I, I'm, oh. I'm sure. I haven't I haven't really seen any of the the previews or, or anything. Uh, I did see a photo that they posted on their Facebook page on Father's Day, and it had all the Masons. And I didn't really pay attention to what he Uh-oh. looked like. I just uh, <clears throat> just saw it and I thought, "Oh, that's cool." And it said, "Happy Father's Day." You know, it had all the Mason boys, and that was kind of cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, uh well, any other high points for you? 
Um, you know, I, th- I just thought the season was strong, and w- we've talked a lot about uh, the the family dynamics and 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 that sort of thing. And I, I I like that. I like having those kind of conversations, exploring humanity, why we do what we do, why we think the way mm-hmm. we think. And I think that this season did a a really swell job of uh, of those <laughs> those types of stories. Yeah, I agree. All right, low points. Low points. Well, these were not easy, or sorry, these were not hard for me to come up with at okay. all. All right. Uh, like I mentioned before, it really seemed to move away from the historical roots that drew me in in season one in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, there was so many parallels to the American Revolution, mm-hmm. and Bob Rodat was so much more involved, I feel, because of the, I don't know if it was a showrunner change or what it was for this last season. It was a David Icke who came on. At the beginning of last season? I don't remember. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it feels like that was the name I remember. But yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, there were good concepts and there were some really good points, but it just, it does not, it, uh, last season did not have the same vibe as the other ones and it made me like it less. And, you know, it just, I know you have to kind of like go with the changes, but uh, the the stuff that made me like it so much in the first place was just not there last year. So. Yeah, I certainly agree with your point here. I think I'm very hopeful that that'll change here for this fifth season. And that's based on two things. You know, I'm very much a believer that we're going to get a happy ending. Uh, will everyone be happy? No. I, like I said already, I don't think that that would be, that would be proper or deserved. But I do think... The Ashvini are going to be eliminated. If a new enemy is presented this final season, I think they will be eliminated or overcome is probably a better word. And there will be a happy ending. And with that happy ending, I think there also needs to be a sense of of hope and stability for the future. And I think within that, we there there should be a prime opportunity for us to see historical references thrown in uh, with, again, looking back at the American revolution and a people who were trying to establish order and civility and stability for future generations. And so I think that mm-hmm. our, our, our band of, of heroes will find themselves in a very similar situation. The second thing that I can point to that I think will hopefully give us hope that there will be more historical references and tie-ins with season five is the way that season four ended when Tom is in the unknown alien spacecraft. We hear some clips from JFK's moon speech, which could be interpreted in a couple of different ways, but either way it's historical. We also Mm -hmm. hear JFK's I have a dream speech, which is again, could be it's open for interpretation on how it might apply to this situation. But JFK spoke. I have a dream. Did I say JFK? I meant Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you. MLK. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> All those initials. Yeah. I said JFK on the moon speech, right? So I just got, yes, it. Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. So Martin Luther King Jr.'s, um, Jr.'s, uh, I have a dream speech. So yeah, I think that the, yeah. those could also point to some, some historical stuff coming back. Yeah. Well, I, and, Clearly, they have the the capacity to do it. Sure, and there there have been plenty of historical references throughout the season. It just the storylines themselves seem to drift further away. You know, because like the early seasons, there were so many parallels to battles, even from mm-hmm. from the American Revolution. And I just I want Tom to get back to that 
which actually leads me right into my next low point. Okay. <laughs> the thing I just, you, we could see it start when he was elected president. And was that at the beginning of season three? Mm-hmm. <sighs> the more power anybody gets, the more that they want, right? I mean, that's just the basic fact of humanity. Right. Unless, there, uh, unless there are significant checks and balances put into place. And even then, it seems like the more power you give to someone, the more they think they deserve. And Tom's arrogance throughout the season, thinking he's the only one who can do anything efficiently is just ridiculous. And I don't understand it at any stage along the way. It's like, okay, you put on the Faraday suit and climb over the fence. What makes you qualified to do that? You know, like any, any more than anybody else. And the only reason he wants to do it is because he wants to make sure that if it's done, it's done right. And if, and if he fails, then it's on him. You know, right. he doesn't want to have to blame anyone else for anything. Well, we saw that with the drawing of the straws too, where he yep. he, he made it look like it was a, a democratic way of choosing who would go to the moon, but in the end, it was not. It was rigged because he right. wanted the outcome to be what he wanted. Yep, yep, and and that's just the way it was all season long. There was no discussion with anyone. He made executive decisions all over the board, mm-hmm. and and he just completely lost that. The, the professor in him, really. I mean, because, you know, at the beginning when he wasn't in charge, he was making suggestions based off of military strategies employed in the American Revolution, which were effective and meaningful and meant something to everyone because they were the underdog facing the giant. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just, I really, I don't know how they're going to do it, but he just needs to come back down from that role of leadership. I don't know if abandoning it altogether is even a viable option, but he's so much more effective as a person and as a father and as a, even as a strategist when he's not the one making those executive decisions. Yeah. He was that way up until I can't think of his name, you know, John Locke, Terry O'Quinn, when he was, (laughs) he was the president that was assassinated by Lourdes. Uh, We found that much later. Um, that was really when Tom was, was put into that, that higher position. And yeah, when he was the advisor to the president, that was perfect for him. Mm-hmm. And when he was the advisor to Colonel Weaver or Captain Weaver at that point, that was mm-hmm. the perfect position for him. But he has slowly, um, devolved. Yeah, yeah you're right. Mm-hmm. Devolved. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. speaking of devolved, what about Lourdes? <laughs> How's that oh for my a segue? Gosh. <laughs> oh. I there was not one moment in any of her scenes that I liked her character. I've got at one. All. I'm putting I'm putting my finger up to the camera here so you can see. I, I think I know what it is, but I'll let you say it. No, no, take a guess. When she's talking to Tom and explaining why Lexi is the way she is. In the in the cocoon side flash flashy thingy? Oh no, not there. Okay. Yeah, cool. that. Although that 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 might be a runner-up. Um, when we see her in the whatever that was, the dream sequence with Tom. Yeah. At, at, that was because that was old Lourdes, which yeah. we hadn't seen in a yes. long time. That's yes. why I liked that scene. Right, and and that's kind of the the same vibe she gives off when she's explaining to Tom who Lexi is now and why all these people trust her. Do you, you know the scene that I'm talking about? Uh, 
it was like midway through right before she was killed. Mm-hmm. I think Lexi had gone into the cocoon, but she was just talking normally and she wasn't being so like high priestess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Drinking but, the Kool-Aid type of stuff. But even in that moment, you knew she was just putting on a show and, oh, I just, there were so many ways that that actress could have made that so much more likable, but I think it was just the acting because they needed her to be that person, you know, in order for people to kind of rally around who Lexi is and build up this cult following. But right now, I don't think it was bad acting. Was terrible. I, I, I disagree with that. I, th- I, th- oh. I think what I hated about it wasn't the acting. I think what I hated about it was that it was, it was not the Lordest that we had, we had come to love. It was, it was yeah. the character of who who she had. She she wasn't who who she was. You remember? Remember? She was the nursing student. She was Anne's right hand woman. She was there, mm-hmm. being this this care figure. You know, she had lost her her boyfriend in season three, and and we uh, our our hearts broke with her. You know, and so mm-hmm. that was the Lordus that we loved. And then what we saw this this straw man of what she used to be this fake lordess that we saw in season uh, four that's what i hated it was it was that it wasn't truly lordess she was still being manipulated by aliens just like she was when she got in season three when she had all those wormy things in her you know she poor lordess she spent the last two seasons whatever whatever time that represents you know, under the power of the aliens. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was a tragic ending to her character. But when she died and the way that she died and the way that Lexi killed her was such what we thought was just flippancy, uh, really was a, I think a powerful moment, particularly for me as an audience member to go, no, no, (laughs) you know, let's get the pitches and the pitches or the the pitchforks (laughs) and the torches, whichever you prefer. Uh, and let's go after Lexi, which which is what the response of the second mass was. So, but for me, it was just like I said, it wasn't the true Lordus. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree with that. It's not the true Lordus, but I don't know. I I don't. I still think that that role could have been fulfilled in a way that would have at least made me appreciate what it was trying to do, mm-hmm. and at by mm-hmm. by her death i just i could not appreciate what the character was trying to do okay so but you know it served its purpose uh they they made lexi into the figure that they needed before before saturday night massacre really mm-hmm. and man what did pope say their numbers went from 200 to 20 20 mm-hmm yeah, which I still think I was counting. I think I counted a few times. I think it was closer to thirty between either that or some people died and then came back. Well, it is Pope, so you know, yeah, one, <laughs> another one, two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. What about Sarah? I think we are. I think we are going to be on the same page here. I don't know. Like again, I I see where they were trying to go with this character. And trying to give Pope a companion yep. and and someone who resonated with his lifestyle. Yep. And I just I could not stand the execution of it. And I don't know. I mean, I this this woman 
the actress. Uh-huh. She's from a lot of sci-fi things, right? Because oh, she's been around I for a long of- time. And she's a great actress, but I did not like her in this role okay. at all. Okay. Yeah, Mia, I don't know if I've her seen her in anything else. Mia Servino, Cer- is that who it is? Mira, it's, Mira. It's, it's, I wanted to say Mia, but it's Mira Servino. She, she's been around forever. Okay. And, but for this role, I didn't like her. I didn't like the, the character. This didn't work for me at all. It kind of worked in the finale when she came back. But even yes. then, when I rewatched it this week, I'm like, mm. Yeah. There, there was like a moment when I was like, oh, I'm going to like her now. No, never mind. You just said something else. And so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. So I completely can accept that she is a great actress. And I don't know if it was the role she was given or what, but it just did not work for me. And the only good that came out of it was Pope's attitude change. <laughs> but, oh, man. Yeah. I won't it's be. Just like, it was eye rolling. Yes. Yeah. I won't be shedding any tears if her character doesn't make it to the end. You want a person to die, Daryl? I didn't say I wanted her to die. I said I wouldn't mourn her death. (laughs) There's a big difference (laughs) there. Oh, you're in one of those 50 shades of gray, aren't you? (laughs) I don't think I am. (laughs) All right. You know, one of the things that bothered me was the... The season took a little bit to get going because it was so fragmented. We had Ben over here in the conscription camp. We had Anne and a few others that were traipsing through the woods trying to find Lexi. Mm -hmm. We had Ben and Hal and Tom. No, Ben was with Lexi and Maggie in the Chinatown. And then we had Hal and Tom and Pope uh, and a few of those guys, Colonel Weaver, uh, in the in the in the ghetto, the ghetto. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. And it was just hard. It was hard to because to, they they had so much going on. We were getting a little bit here, a little bit there. One scene maybe with this. Uh, so I was really happy when all those storylines started converging. Um, so that mm-hmm. was that was a downside for me. Hopefully they won't do that this season. I don't. I mean, all of our besides Tom and perhaps Lexi, right. all of our folks are together. So that that shouldn't be a problem this season. Was it the beginning of season two when Tom had gotten on the ship mm-hmm. yep. and he was the only one separated from yep. the group? I think so. Okay. Yep. At least he got back to the second mass within a day or something. Or or he came back right away and they kind of like spliced in his the past month. Mm-hmm. That's right. He came back a lot more quickly so. than we thought he would. And that yeah. could happen this time because we don't know yep. where he is. We are going to speculate on that before we get out yes, of here. Yes, we are. No, um, I would agree with that. Definitely. It yeah. takes, it took a long time to get going. And I don't know why this is an anomaly. When you look at the history of Falling Skies, season one, two, and three all had 10 episodes. Season five that we're going into has 10 episodes, but season four had 12 episodes, which, you know, when you, we were going into the season, I was really happy that we were going to get two extra hours of the show. But as it turned out, it felt like they were still just, stretching things out and dragging things along for a while. I do think the show would have been better with 10 episodes and I'm happy to see them going back to 10 and that's rare. You know, normally I'm kind of a 13 episode. That's kind of my sweet spot, but for this mm-hmm. show, I think 10 works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might've been it. Yeah. I think I, I kind of remember having that discussion at the end of last mm-hmm. season. It might just be because this writing team 
has a has a groove at ten. They're used to ten, and then they were given yep. a twelve, and they were like, "Well, we were kind of used do we to ten. Yeah, let's have them talk about something for an hour. Yeah, we're going to have to write some uh, exposition walking <laughs> scenes, aren't we? You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, the whole the the one the episode where they go to get the Volm weapons. Yes, yes. and are ambushed. Yeah, yes. that episode could have been yeah. done away with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, so those are our highs and low points. Overall, it was a great season and won't be my favorite season of the series, I don't think, but uh, definitely one that had some great, great stuff in there and uh, was far better than, than bad. Right. Far better than oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That sense? I think enough good things happened mm-hmm. to drive into the final season. Mm hmm. Than to yeah. make me go, oh, I, uh, why do we have to have another season? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Especially the whole going to the moon. I mean, come on. That should really be a high point. Is yeah. that <laughs> these people actually went to the moon? Not because Not it's because easy. It's, it's hard. See, I get to do my JFK more often. Right. Is that I, why you put it in your stuff I learned yesterday? Because you've just seen the episode? <laughs> no, no, I hadn't seen it yet. I, I, oh, you hadn't? Oh, no, funny. No. All right, so you watched the whole season again. What are some general observations watch. you have? Well, I went into a little bit about Tom's arrogance and how much I just hated the transformation mm-hmm. he's gone through in the mm-hmm. last couple seasons. And I mean, it, on the one hand, it provides for drama because it's a character flaw and it's a a trait of humanity that if we fall into it, we're kind of we need someone to pull us out of it because it's it's something that can just wrap us up and draw drag us down and totally consume us. And so it's not like we can't understand what he's going through or even where he's trying to go with it. It's just frustrating because it's like he's such a good character and you want him to be who he was. But I did notice, and it only came out in the finale, the, the parallels of control going on. And this kind of harkens back to the whole skitterizing thing, but... Mm-hmm. You know, Tom is trying to control everything going on in the second mass, and it, it it all started with becoming president, and he has this facade of democracy that he's built up around himself where, like you said, he made it look like he was being democratic about the drawing straws, but he totally rigged it, especially after Ben was chosen. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and so the more authority he's given, the more he thinks he deserves. It's It's just a control thing. And it's interesting because it's like everybody can see that he's doing it, but they're so used to letting him have his way or just a following in step that they don't, they try to fight it and end up with getting, you know, double crossed or whatever, like in the drawing straws thing. But so on the other side of that, you have the Ashveni controlling Lexi through the facade of peace where they're making it seem to her like it's the humans that are manipulating her when it's really them. And so it's just interesting to see the different ways that a person or a group of people are controlled through different aspects of humanity. Like Tom is, is taking this authority because he has all of this knowledge that people think is valuable to their survival. And, and the same for uh, Lexi and the Shveni. She thinks that they are the ones that are going to bring the peace. And so she gives into that and totally lets them control her. Would would you say that they, they she let them control her humanity because they were so influential over her heart 
Like, would that be an accurate way to say that? I don't know that they were in control of her heart as much as her mind and used that to control her heart. So maybe, maybe through okay. her mind. Because I don't think the Ashvini, you know, the heart is more of your center of your emotions. And I don't see the Ashvini really caring about emotions or even seeing emotions as a weakness. So I think they were going well, at her from it's my... It's more like, more like they were appealing to her human heart yes. in order to draw in her Ashvini mind. Yes. Maybe yes. that's what I'm going for. I can, I can go okay. for that. And, and it's kind of it's kind of the same thing for Tom, you know, he's, he's appealing to people's hearts saying, this is what we've got to do because we need to win and bring these, you know, fish heads down. But at the same time, he's kind of manipulating their minds. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so like, I just came to this conclusion that, you know, the more you try to control a person or a situation, the less uncertain the results. And we got, uh, the Shveni got a full face of that when they tried to control Lexi and she found out and, I just, I want that same thing to happen to Tom. You know how I was saying, like, I I really hope that they can kind of take away that leadership role from him so that he can return to the person he was. I just want, I just want someone to really ground him in that way and, and serve him up so that he can see that controlling the situation will only lead to more harm. <laughs> just, just in the way that the Ashveni got mm-hmm. a dose of that at the end of the episode, because like, you know, we went into a lot about Epictetus at the end of the episode or at the end of the season where he gets the book from Anne. And right now it just seems like it's, it's mostly ironic that he has that book and that he's reading it and he's mm-hmm. quoting lines because it's like, he's not being a stoic at all. He's trying to control the situation. So I want it to be less ironic and I want him to embrace that a little bit more. Yeah. I was wondering how long we would, we would go in this podcast before I would get to say Epictetus. Um, Epic Tardis. Tardis. That's say. what it was. That's what it was. Thank you for properly correcting my uh, pronunciation. Yes. Wrong. You know, and right into that, I think is is one of the things that that I was reminded of. I've mentioned this. This is the third time. I won't. I won't harp on it. But these ideas of family. This show has always been about the family from the very, very, very beginning. At least with the Masons, but through the Masons and through the eyes and the lives of the Masons, we get to to talk about family and, and especially through the end of last season, it drove home these points that family is not just the Masons. It's not just those whom you share some sort of bloodline with, but family is those that you share life with. And, and, and family is not about being perfect. It's not uh, about pushing away those who have wronged you, but it, it's about accepting faults, recognizing faults in others and in yourself. And so when you think about that and all that you just said about Tom, you know, I think that that he could have that fall. He could be reminded of who he was and where he has become. And it would just fit perfectly within the constructs of of this Mm -hmm. show. Um, And we've also seen that where you are strong or weak, rather, I am strong and mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, we saw that with mm-hmm. Ben and, and helping out Hal or vice versa. We see Hal stepping in for when Tom is, is not able to. We see Weaver stepping in and helping Tom and Anne uh, see things that they weren't able to see because they were clouded by emotion and, and all these other things. You know, we're, we're better, stronger together and 
as long as we can trust each other, which we need to do. So there's just a whole lot of dynamics at play here. And that's one of the things I really like about this show is, is you care about these characters. None of them are perfect. They're all flawed. And, and, um, they are stronger together. And you, because mm-hmm. of that, you really care for every single one of them. Very well said. I like the whole where I am weak, you are strong. And I think that was actually one of the things that was really lacking in this season was because Tom wanted to do everything. We didn't get to see a whole lot about where everyone else's strengths were. I mean, they they had Dingan who said he had escaped from like three different prison camps <laughs> or ghettos and all he lets them do is build a Faraday suit. Yeah. He doesn't even let him wear it. Well, eventually he let him wear it and then he hurt his hand and Pope had, yeah, to, put Pope it had to put it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even so very good point. I really like that. Okay. So let's talk about some stuff that we need to remember about season four that will help us get ready for season five. Right. So, you watched the finale, so you'll remember this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at the 11th hour, the Volm fly in. This is uh, Cochise's father. Mm-hmm. They return to help Tom and Lexi, who are en route to the moon, to destroy the Ishveni power source there. And help divert the Ishveni just long enough so that Lexi can fly her beamer, sacrifice herself, and destroy the power source. But... At the same time, the results of the battle and the explosion send Tom's space uh, uh, send Tom's ship hurtling off into space. Right. So that's pretty much where season four ends. Other than a scene with the second massing, we've just got to keep fighting until he gets back. Right. <laughs> if there's one thing Tom would want us to do is to yes, keep fighting. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was this scene with Tom on some unknown alien mm. spacecraft that I think we this need to talk point. about. Yes. Yes, we do. Because in in this scene, I think lies the keys to season five. The problem mm. is we don't know what to do with this scene. He's on a bed, a physical bed, because he's laying on top of it. The picture that we saw him clutching when he was on the beamer mm-hmm. or, or not the beamer the, but the Ashvini ship the overlord ship that, that he had mm-hmm. commandeered uh, that very same picture is now is now in a frame on the side of that bed but that frame and that picture are indeed a hologram mm-hmm. he pulls back the drapes to see the Infinite vastness of space, space. yeah um, and then the door opens we see a reflection in the mirror well, before that, we hear things like, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, mm-hmm. but because it's hard. We hear, I have a dream. We hear, mm-hmm. the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. The door opens. We see a blurred reflection of some sort of alien figure. And Tom says, uh, I had no idea. You're so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, so, I mean, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Of all the things to end a season on, I don't understand that quote at all. But yeah. I think that's gonna, what's going to make the premiere so much fun. Is finally figuring out who he's talking to and and how yeah. what they look like, like. Why would he? What 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 is that reaction? I mean, yeah. I you know, I've looked but, at that reflection in that mirror half dozen times at least, 
And the more I look at it, the more I'm convinced that it is a female skitter. Insect? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And what they looked like before the Ashvini got a hold of them. And oh, I love that. I, we, <gasps> I thought we had talked about oh, this already. Maybe we did, but I've completely forgotten. Well, clearly, clearly by your reaction. Because I love that. <laughs> and that would make okay. sense why he would say that, because the only version of them he's ever seen yes. is a is a you know a, 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 a manipulated really, really version, right? Mm-hmm. And it would make sense the that harnessed. they would have a bone to pick with the Ashvini and would be willing to be an ally. An enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. So that makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. The only reason, or maybe the only argument I would have for saying it's not that original race of skitters, and there might still be a caveat in here that could make it possible, but uh, in in either the first or the second episode of season four, when Tom goes up onto the um, the ship, the Overlord ship, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the uh, um, Scorch says that there is an enemy coming that they're preparing for that's even greater than anyone can imagine. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And so that is the only additional piece to that that I'm not sure quite fits in. If but we're able to take mean, him at his face value, which we may not right. be able to. Rich, yeah, for sure. And and it could be that they suppressed an enemy that was greater than them and now they're searching the galaxy for him and it just happens to be the people that they've harnessed or the, yeah. the creatures that they've harnessed for sure. But at the same time, it could it could not be either of them. It could be, as you say, the harnessed skitters, the original race mm-hmm. that are coming to save their people in the event that well that gets a little complicated, like a, like a, another race even comes in to <laughs> destroy them all. Sure. But, well, it could um, be. It could just as easily be another race as it is a, the original Skitter race. Right. Um, you oh, know, and, and when we look at what we way. saw or what rather what we heard, this is how I'm interpreting those things. We choose to go to the moon. The moon speech could be relevant in one of two ways. One, okay. the obvious, they just blew up a, a power station on the moon, right? The moon is something that was relevant to that episode. Mm-hmm. But number two, it could be us going to the moon, humanity going to the moon, that first caused us to be discovered by aliens out there, oh, or or made like them that. go, hmm, these humans are not as primitive as we thought they were, which <laughs> drew the drew the eye of of aliens, good, bad, and otherwise. Okay. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. speech. I want to get his name right this time. I feel so dumb for <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You know, that speech is about equality, about not seeing people by the colors of their skins or other types of biases that we or, or labels that we want to put on people, but truly seeing into the heart and tr- treating people equally the way that they deserve to be treated. And mm-hmm. that could be interpreted. This is the way I would interpret it. Just having nothing to go on here. Uh, if we if we are to walk away from this now, Earth can never be the same that as, as it once was because now aliens exist. You can't deny that. And, right. And how are how are humans going to walk away from this with the knowledge that they are not alone in the universe, and and, and knowing that there are good and evil elements or, or species out there into the universe, um, mm-hmm. and perhaps the the aliens that are that have possession of Tom right now are trying to let him know that, Hey, 
don't look at all of us the same way. Uh, look at our hearts. Look at us. Uh, don't don't make presuppositions about us based on us having a different skin than yours. Um, mm-hmm. Allow us to prove ourselves to you based on the content mm-hmm. of our character. Perhaps mm-hmm. I may be reading like way that. too much into that, but that's where I'm going with it. Well, I mean, it, it resonates, like you said, with the MLK speech and with his comment about uh, you, you're so beautiful or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it certainly seems like that could be a really good way to reconcile because that was one of the things that I was thinking about, too, in terms of how do you resolve this kind of a show mm-hmm. and and not, and not necessarily like tie up all the storylines, but at least make it in such a way that you understand how the world continues on after the show ends. Like that's, that's the biggest thing for me is I, I want to see how this world is going to unravel even when there's no more stories coming in for us, you know, yeah. and <clears throat> that to me would be a good resolution to the story was, is just to see how everything goes. So in order, like you said, in order for them to survive in this universe now, knowing that aliens exist and that not only has one race visited them, but now potentially two, mm-hmm. maybe three, right. you, you've got to find a way to communicate. You've got to find a way to get along, coexist, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. and they may be very, very dependent on one of these alien races to help them rebuild Earth because yep. Earth has been completely decimated by the Ashwini. Yep. Right. And I mean, and there were, I mean, it's not going to be exact, but there are parallels to racial barriers that were put that, you know, still exist Mm -hmm. since MLK's day, but particularly in the time period that he had given that speech in order to to break down and join together two people groups who are much more alike than either of them wanted to admit. And so it's 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 going to be interesting to see how the humanity aspect of the show will connect with the new race that comes in. Yeah. I like that. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I am too. All right. Do you want to share any spoilers? Do you have any spoilers for season five? I just wanted to point out that I haven't been watching anything. I watched the like 30 second promo thing that Mm -hmm. has Tom crawling on rocks and saying a bunch of stuff. Oh, I haven't even seen that. Okay. It's, I mean, it's really just like, uh, Preparing for the final battle. That's what the um, promo is. The final battle. Okay. That's season five, I guess. So I will put that in the show notes of this episode. This is episode 15 of Berserker cast. But uh, it, if you're, if you've been keeping up on falling sky stuff, I'm sure you've seen it on TNT or something, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it does. I mean, it, it really doesn't show a whole lot. So I haven't seen anything. Have you seen anything? No, I've been trying to keep, my eyes uh, away from any spoilers. I don't know that they've put out a whole bunch either. You know, Facebook is really weird. Like last season, you know, they were putting out all these little behind the scenes, uh, not behind the scenes, kind of like there was a film crew, like a documentary style thing going around interviewing Lourdes and going around interviewing some of the different characters. Oh, yeah. And that never really that. seemed to turn into anything on the show. Right. But they were putting out all this neat content. And this season, I haven't seen any of that. But Facebook has a way of not really showing you everything that you think is relevant or that you would like to see as well. Yeah. So I don't know if that's it or if they're not just not putting out as much. Because I haven't yeah. really gone over to the page to see if I've missed anything. I know that they've been putting out a lot of interviews with the cast from various Comic Cons. But I haven't watched them. Because like my theory is that 
whatever is going to happen in the first episode is going to immediately answer the cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to accidentally ruin that for myself. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah. So I'm just staying away. However, that being said, I did find some episode names. Okay. So I only found the first three. So if you don't want to hear these, plug your ears for like two minutes. All right. So episode one is called Find Your Warrior. Episode two is called Hunger Pains. And episode three is called Hatchlings. So, hmm. <laughs> but there there were uh, there were explanations along with each of these episodes, but I did not read any of them. So okay. if okay. you want to find those, just Google it. You know, you'll find it. Google it up. Yeah. Google so up. that's that's all I've seen too. The Find Your Warrior yeah. season premiere. That's June twenty eighth, of course. Uh, Hunger Pains, July fifth. It would seem appropriate to have some sort of historical tie-ins to that episode, given the date, but you never know. Uh, hatchlings, which is very peculiar. Who are these hatchlings? Who? What race? Do you remember the last time we heard that word? Hatchlings? Yeah. No? Shaq uses the word when Lexi goes into the cocoon. Oh. In order to describe how violent the Ashveni are while in uh, when they first come out of Mm -hmm. the cocoon so hatchlings i think at least in the context that we've heard it used before are referencing ishveni okay interesting well that'll air on july 12th so we'll see Hmm. which is not that's not spoilery at all that's actually referencing you know right that's and it's speculation yeah Speculation. Okay. Speaking of speculation, we have something <laughs> that Gannon, remember our good f- friend Gannon, uh, was yeah. a frequent contributor last season. Well, he made a prediction of what we will see when the season begins. He made this prediction at the end of last season, right? Yep. Okay. He says that there will be a time jump. The Volm and the second mass will be kicking Ishvini butt and taking names. Until mm. Tom and his new friends, so whoever Tom's with is a friend. Allies. Yep. Okay. Uh, his new friends arrive, which will change the war forever. And I'm sure the Ashveni have a few more tricks up their sleeves. Without the power source, I just wonder if the Ashveni will have any tricks. Yeah. We, we, and, and the overlords are dead. All the overlords are now dead, right? Yeah. I think so. Or at least the ones that, w- that we're aware of. Well, <sighs> There was there was a conversation between the two of them, um, those two leaders, that was something along the lines of, that's why we broke off from everyone and decided to use a hybrid. I don't, I know I'm way paraphrasing that, but could be wrong. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see, because we already talked about Maxim Knight and his aging issue, so there may be a time jump just to help satisfy some of that. And I, I That's I, a good I, point. I think that they've done that partially to be able to keep his aging in line with the story. So He's a hybrid too. What? Yeah. Ah! No. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, I don't know. I think a time jump is is a strong possibility. Yeah. All right. Well, we got some prediction, Gannon. feedback right. here. Yeah, great, great predictions, Gannon. So thank you for uh, Emily. Thank you for remembering to put that in here. Oh yeah. So we did get a couple of listener uh, contributions for feedback, and we have an audio and a written. So let's listen to the audio first. This one is from Barb. I think you're going to dig this, Emily. 
Oh, no. <laughs> if you say anything about Ben, I swear. Um, hmm. Hello, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb flying in from my alien spacecraft to give you my ever-changing and ever-wrong predictions about our final season of Falling Skies. The wait is almost over. Here are my top five for season five. Number one, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yasfini's enemy has rescued Tom from his outer space freefall, impressed by his ability to blow up the power source on the moon, and they think he can be helpful in finally defeating the Yasfini. The big question is whether they also need Earth as part of their plan to survive. Are they any better than the Yasfini? I'm guessing no. Tom and crew will vanquish the Yasfini, but have a new enemy. Number two, who will win? This is a show about hope and family, so I have to believe that the remaining people on Earth will win. The Asfini will be gone, and some members of the Volm will assist Tom and crew against the new force. Long live the human race. Number three, what will happen to the Volm? I think the Volm will be gone as well. Tom's friendship with Cochise has reminded me of David and Jonathan from the Bible, especially with Cochise's father not always supportive of Tom. Cochise's father may not be pleased that Tom returns to Earth with the new force and turn fully against Tom. If that's the case, Cochise and his father may both die in a final battle, with Tom mourning the loss of his dear friend. Number four, who will die and who will survive? Close your ears, Emily. I think Weaver will sacrifice himself to save Matt. He has been a mentor to Matt the entire time, and Weaver loves Matt like a son. I'll ball when that happens, but it will be one of the most moving moments on this show. I'll be surprised if the entire Mason family survives. If we lose Weaver, I don't think we'll lose Tom. I don't think we'll lose Matt, so that leaves either Hal or Ben. My money is still on Ben. Who will survive? I think Pope has finally found someone to fight for, and he and Sarah will be uh, still be standing at the end. I don't know how I feel about repopulating the world with a bunch of little Popes and Sarahs, but hey, survival of the fittest. I'm still 50-50 about Hal and Maggie, but a partial alien baby would be an interesting twist in the new world. Give me a few weeks to decide on that one. Number five, my final prediction. I'm going to be watching Falling Skies with a great community and some great podcasters. Hey, that prediction may actually come true. One out of five ain't bad. Emily and Daryl, thanks in advance for taking us on this wild ride with the Berserkers. This is Barb signing out. Now let's go get some skitters. I have to admit, the the idea of Hope and Sarah repopulating the Earth had oh never occurred God. to me just until just now. And... and that's so terrifying. It is. <laughs> it is. Humanity is doomed. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he, you know, he's as we mentioned already, he has come a long way. Um. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Barb. <laughs> I. <clears throat> I think you need to stop picking on Ben. And just kidding. Uh. No, I. I kind of agree. I mean. If the entire Mason family survives, I think I will be a little disappointed in the storytelling just because it doesn't seem like they'd be willing to go there. And I think it's all something that we can handle and something that if it's done in the right way will be extremely meaningful. Like Weaver sacrificing himself for Matt. I could totally see that happen. Totally. But I could also see Matt sacrificing himself for Weaver, you sure. know, because the of all the bonding that they've done over mm. the last season. Yeah. So, um, but it's you know at this point it's like I don't even want to say who I'd rather to die because that's not even 
an issue. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like we have to lose a Mason in order for this show to no be true to itself. No, because when all of the main characters survive. I I, I say that because. Every character on this show has already lost so much. It's yeah, it the uh, are the odds a little bit overpronounced that all the Masons would survive if that happens. Yes, of course. But at the same time, we've seen Tom's willingness to do anything for his kids and them to do yeah. anything for each other and that has what has brought them this far. But having said that, they have lost so much. They've lost their mother. They've lost their mm-hmm. sister. And they've lost countless friends and allies along the way. So I don't feel like this show has to kill a Mason in order to to be true to itself. But it might ring a little bit more true if they do lose a Mason somewhere. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Now, would Anne be... Would, would, would Anne mm. satisfy that? Mm-mm. I don't think that so either. T- that would be too sad. Yeah, too losing the only mother figure on the show. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, that would be hard. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, mm. we'll good predictions, out. Barb. Yeah, I like them all, you. except for the Ben one. <laughs> all right, so this prediction comes in from well, feedback comes in from Mike. Uh, I'm not sure if my first question has been addressed or resolved, so please bear with me. I believe somewhere in season two or three, Ben was told that if he left the spikes on his back, his lifespan would be significantly reduced. I thought they said he wouldn't make it out of his 20s. Do you think this will be brought up again this season? Possibly Ben's body will show signs of deterioration, maybe toward the end of the season. Maggie also has spikes now, so will her life be shortened as well? Do you think that this should be addressed in in the final season in some form? Also, do you berserkers see the series ending with a flash forward to X amount of years in the future after human race victory or end after us winning some form of final battle? Glad to have the berserker cast back, even though season three and four were not as good as the first two. I'm extremely pumped for this final season. Take care, Mike from New Hampshire. A lot of good questions. I don't I completely forgot about the whole uh, spikes reducing the lifespan. I had too. And but that was, actually might lend to Barb's theory that, you know, Ben might mm-hmm. maybe maybe that storyline is reintroduced and they do start, start to see some deterioration. And and that ultimately is why he sacrifices himself. Yeah. We also saw an opportunity in season three where they he and Denny could have had their spikes removed and they both chose to keep them in. Now, having so that that could lend itself to an opportunity from say the volm or or someone else after all is said and done for them to have their spikes removed what'll be mm-hmm. interesting as we've said before is will he get his asthma back and with with maggie will she become paralyzed again so i don't know that i really do hope that they readdress it just for those reasons yeah to uh like if if they're going to try to eradicate the Ishveni from them altogether, removing the spikes is the only way to do that. If there's mm-hmm. no threat anymore of the Ishveni, there's no reason for the spikes other than they're fun. But if they're killing you, take them out. <laughs> well, if and if hot, they serve stop as, the burner. yeah, and if they serve as a way where the Ishveni can use you and manipulate you and communicate through yes. you, you might want to <clears throat> get rid of those suckers for that reason too, even if it means yeah. it kills you. Right. Yeah. What about what about his question about how the series will end or how it will address the future? Yeah. 
You got any gut feelings on that? This show doesn't do a whole lot. Well, I guess they do. They do do some flashbacks in order to tell a story, mm-hmm. but they haven't done anything in terms of a flash forward. So it kind of seems inconsistent with their storytelling methods. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of remember Steven Spielberg saying something about that at the very beginning like everything happening in real time. That's, that's the kind of story he likes. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go back and find that. But my gut is they're going to have a resolution of a current predicament. And I don't know if it's winning a final battle, but it will be a victory in terms of what the human race can utilize going forward. Yeah, that's the way I see it too. Tom or whomever, probably Tom, Standing before a crowd of people, oh. they are they have won, they are victorious, and he is giving some sort of speech to rally the troops and to lay out the plan for the future. Fade to black. Something like that. <laughs> Phase one, repopulate the earth. Yes. Phase two, <laughs> take it to the stars. <laughs> Pope Sarah, that doesn't mean you. <laughs> you go sit over there. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited now. I know, I know. Well, any uh, closing thoughts or questions that you want to address before we wrap her up? I don't think so, but I do. I will put out a Twitter poll question this week. Okay, or up until the premiere. Um, I guess my question just is: How long will it take Tom to return to the second mass? You know, we know he's drifting out in space with another race of aliens, so. Will he come back right away at the beginning or will it take a couple episodes as they often like to do? Mm-hmm. Take their time to reunite people. So, so that look is for that going on to be Twitter. our Twitter poll question. Be sure and reply to that with BC twit and we'll, we will include that. We'll also have a, a f- another BC twit question right after the premiere. We'll, we'll ask that and include those responses. So we'll have two questions for this next episode. Should be fun. Always fun. All right, so next week is the season four, uh, season five premiere. I don't know why I wrote four. Uh, so that's June 28th, 2015. Find Your Warrior is the name of that episode. And we will be back in full gear with new content, new info, all good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be great. Looking forward to doing this final season with you, Emily. This is one yes. of my true uh, highlights of, of my week during this time of the year is to be able to oh, take me too. an hour or so each week and chat falling skies with you. So looking yes, forward to it. Absolutely. I'm excited. So you can be a part of our show each week by sending in your thoughts, theories, feedback, predictions about the, uh, the show at large. You can do that by going over to golden spiral media.com slash feedback. From there, you can type out an email contribution or you can upload an audio file or you can use our SpeakPipe widget to record an audio file or you can call us on the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line. That number is 304-837-2278. And the deadline is Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern because we are going to be doing our show live again this season so join us for our live podcast every Tuesday at 8 o'clock Eastern time over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. 
We have the webcam on. You can see both of us. And uh, there's a chat room where you can chat with us and other berserkers. So it's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us for that. Tuesday, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Yeah, and to get involved more in the discussion, you can follow us on Twitter at GSM Podcasts. That will be the handle that the Twitter poll question will come out from every week. And you can also join our Facebook group or it's not a group. It's a page, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. And you get to see all of the awesome podcasts that Golden Spiral Media produces. And a couple of summer shows coming up. Let's see. We've got Under the Dome. Mm-hmm. Extant. Extant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Both coming back for another season. Yep. And at the very end of the season, we'll have Doctor Who back. Or into the ah, summer, yes. rather. Yes. Should be fun. That'll be a welcomed return. Yeah. Yes, it will. All right, Emily, it's great to be back talking yes, Falling Skies indeed. with you. And we are looking forward to the Season 5 premiere. I hope you'll join us back for our Season 5 premiere discussion. And until then, stay berserkery, my <laughs> friends. Yeah, shoot the moon. 